as I was praying, trying to figure out where we're going to, where we're going to go, where we're going to head next, is uh, where you know God would want us to go. Um, Pastor Kent and I, uh, you know, talk, and I have told him before uh, some of the things that I'm hoping to be able to get into, and uh, this wasn't on the list. Um, you know, because as I was praying about it, uh, God seemed to be steering me toward uh, things that I pray for you. Uh, at the beginning of each year, you know, as, as we hit the end of the year and hit the beginning of the year, I've been putting those little prayer slips in the bulletin and asking you to share, you know, an answer to one answer to prayer from the year before, one prayer request for the for the coming year. Uh, and uh, I have really um, enjoyed doing that. And one specific request that I could join with you and pray about. And so. You know, each year I, that I have done this, it's just been very uh, cool for me to see God answering some of those prayers. And last Sunday, as we were getting ready to start the service, I was standing in the back and I saw God answer one of those prayers. And it was just such a neat thing to see, uh, you know, as, as we do that. And, as I, you know, I saw it happen and I just thought, Lord, thank you, you know, thank you. Um, for that. Now, another benefit of using those little slips, uh, you know, that you gave me is it brings to mind, it brings you and those situations to mind at other times that, you know, other, I actually, I, I do have a specific time when I sit down and, and stop and pray, um, you know, specifically through all of those that you've given me. But at other times where I see something or see someone, then that reminds me, oh, yeah. I'm praying for this for so and so, you know. And it gives me that opportunity to pray once again uh, for, which has kind of been a neat thing. Now, along with those requests, are also you know several things that um, that I pray for all of you. You know that as I'm praying that I pray for you, which isn't necessarily on your list, but it's on my list of things to pray for. And it's some of the same things that I pray for my family every night. Um, you know, every, every Jenny and I have. We've tried praying together in the morning, and you know sometimes that worked, and sometimes that didn't. We tried first. We tried praying at night, and, and that really didn't work because we'd fall asleep. Uh, you know, one of us or both of us, and it's interesting when you fall asleep in the middle of your own prayer. But at any rate, um, I've done it. Uh, but uh, you know, then so we went to you know we started praying in the morning, and then what we found out is it, it ended up getting more rushed than we like to. So anyway. Uh, right now, again, it's, we're praying together in the evening and some of the things that we pray for our grandchildren and our kids. Are some of the same things we pray for you. Uh, you know, that I pray for you because it's things that uh, are important. Um, at this point, uh, so is this a series? I don't know. I, I have no idea how long this will be, how many weeks it would be, if this is the only week. Or, you know, I, I, I started with a different uh, prayer that I was looking at, and as I was studying that, this really kind of came. Um, so here it is. Here's, you know, part of my prayer for you. It's not always worded exactly like this, but this is the thrust of it. I ask God to give you strength for your next step. In following him. It's not always an easy thing to do. That next step is not always an easy thing to take. Following him is not always easy. 
There's a lot of other things that come in. There's a lot of other things that sometimes seem appealing to us. There's a lot of other ways. There's a lot of other desires and things that are pulling at us. But part of my prayer, some of what I pray for you, is that well, God will give you the next step, that you uh, give you the strength for your next step in following Him. Following Him is the important thing. Following Him rather than the world. Following Him rather than our desires, because our desires change. Sometimes our desires change in the midst of the desire that we thought we were fulfilling, and then we realize we have a different desire. But that you know, following Him is huge, and that's not always easy, because we do battle our own desires. Many of our own desires are selfish and destructive. You say, well, no, they're not. No, they are. Anything that's, going to, anything that's going to take you away from God is destructive. Anything that's going to replace God in your life is destructive. Anything that is going to make you uh, less excited about your walk with Him, less committed to living for Him, anything, any of those things is, is really destructive. And we battle our own wants and our own desires. We, we battle the world. When I say the world, I'm talking about you know, those people and values, the same way John uses it, the same way it's used often in Scripture when it talks about the world, those people and values that either ignore God or don't give Him the value that He deserves. And you'll find many religious people in that regard of not giving God the place that He deserves. And then also we have an enemy. We have an enemy who does not want us to follow God. And if he can get you interested in anything else, and, and you see, here's, here's one of the things, too, to keep in mind. If you are a big enough distraction to yourself, he doesn't even need to mess with you. But what he'll do sometimes, I believe this to be biblical, um, but I'm giving you my opinion here. I believe sometimes... The enemy will give us something good to keep us from something better. You know, he will bring in, you know, whatever it is you need, you know, that raise at work so that... You ever notice when you get a... If, if, you, if you get a $100 a week raise, then you make a commitment for $105 a week. It's just the way we, we do things, you know. If you, if you get a raise, you know, of, of uh, you know, $400 a month... You go buy a car and spend $450 a month on it. Just, just, this isn't a stewardship series, but just a thought for you there on that. You know, that that's kind of, I do believe, you know, sometimes the enemy will give you something good to keep you from something better. You know, and we need to, you know, with, with all that you face each day, I ask God to give you strength and determination to take your next step in following him. Let's pray and we'll get into a passage that I think helps us understand this. Father, thank you for your word and truth. Thank you that you have a, a plan for our lives. You've told us that. You make it very clear in Scripture. We get all jazzed up because we think, what is it? And uh, we get all messed up. We pray that you would help us, help us to get out of the way ourselves, help us to not be following our wants and desires, help us in this battle with the world, those things and values, uh, Father, you've given us this world, and there's a lot of good in it, but it is not to replace you ever. Uh, you've put us in a prosperous country, and that's not to replace you. 
And we do have an enemy. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of this dark age, of this dark world, of this world that rejects you and, uh, and the enemy who wants us to follow anything but you. So give us your wisdom and strength as we look into your word. You know what's going on in the lives of each person here so much better than I ever could. So speak to hearts. Help us to connect with you in spirit and in truth this morning, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 14. If you want to turn there, it's page 60 in the Pew Bible. And Exodus, uh, it's a good book. Well, it's a good book. Like there's a crummy one in the Bible. Well, there's some we like better than others. Um, But uh, Exodus, uh, you know, great, great... uh, Stuff there in chapters 12 and 13, just before what we're going to be looking at here, uh, God gives instructions to His people about how to celebrate the Passover. Uh, you know, and this was the initiation of that feast, which is still celebrated by Jews today, except uh, without the uh, sacrifice of a lamb and without uh, applying the blood to their lintel and doorposts. You know, they still celebrate parts of the Passover. But during this first Passover, in the homes of those uh, without the blood marking the doorway, every firstborn male was struck dead. Now, when we say every firstborn male, it doesn't necessarily mean an infant. Kent would have died had his parents not. Just telling you, you know, had had the Passover been going on, uh, you know, right now, and Ralph and Tierney decided not to put the uh, blood on the post, Kent would have died and Jeff would have lived. So that gives you something else to poke him about every once in a while. But anyway, uh, you know, they, they, uh, you know, so, you know, not certainly in most of the Egyptian homes, um, you know, even in Pharaoh's and his, his officials, in fact, we're told in Exodus 12, verse 30, it says, there was loud wailing throughout Egypt because there wasn't a house without someone dead. So in the middle of the night, Pharaoh calls for Moses and Aaron, tells them, have the Israelites pack up their stuff and, and, and go, leave Egypt, you know, get out of here. All of the plagues that came before, you know, and didn't convince him because Pharaoh thought he, he thought he could butt heads with God and that he would win. What an idiot. Uh, just, uh, yeah, he thought that he, he could do his own thing. And God, so the plagues came. And as the plagues unfolded, well, the first several plagues, he said, you know, Houdini and, you know, he had his magicians come and, and uh, do the same, you know, do the same things, repeat the same things. And, and yeah, so it's like, yeah, well, then they got to one and it was all of a sudden like, hey, guys, yeah, we can't do that. They said, yeah, you know, you just step beyond us here. And those other plagues that came and those didn't convince him. I would have been convinced along with that plague of the gnats. Really? I mean, you know, I, I can remember being in the boundary waters and the mosquitoes were so thick that as you're going and you inhale, you inhale mosquitoes. It's extra protein, but... <coughs> Not the way you want it. So through all of those plagues, nothing, 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 you know. And Pharaoh just said, you're not going, you're not going, you're not going. And then, so the plague of the firstborn, we call it the plague of the firstborn, you know. But the, 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 that death there, Pharaoh said, I've had it, I've had enough. Pack up your stuff and get out of here. Just leave, just go. Now, if you're looking at Exodus 14, back up just a few verses into chapter 13, verse 17. It says there, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them along the road to the land of the Philistines, even though it was nearby. 
For God said the people will change their minds and return to Egypt if they face war. So he led the people around toward the Red Sea along the road of the wilderness, and the Israelites left the land of Egypt in battle formation. I found that interesting that they left in battle formation. But anyway, here, you know, God not only calls his people out of Egypt, he called them out of Egypt. Notice here, you know, he, he made sure that they were set free through that, that, that plague, the, the killing of the firstborn. And then he also, you know, he, he also led them on the way they should go. He led them the way they should go. You know, we, we need to remember, God not only calls you, he also leads you. You will not be on your own. You know, you're not going to be on your own. You'll not be left to wonder and wander. You say, well, they were. No, no, they really weren't. You know, they messed up and had some consequences they had to go through, but God was always with them. You're not going to, you know, you're not left to your own devices. When you're in a relationship with God, you're, you're not on your own. You, God is always with you. You know, you don't have to fend for yourself. He will, fight, you know, he will fight for you. You don't have to wonder you know, where to go, what to do. He's told us. You say, well, I don't know where to go. What to... You do know what to do. Obey his word. 98% of God's will is, is in his word. And 78% of statistics are all made up on the site. On the site. But uh, uh, you know, the, the, the vast majority of God's will for you is in his word. You don't have to wonder what it is. All you have to do is believe him. All you have to do, you know, you obey him. You know, and here the Israelites are, are leaving Egypt. They begin their trek through the wilderness. And God protects them first thing. The people will change. He said he didn't, land, he, he didn't lead them through the land of the Philistines. He said because they're going to change their mind. They're going to return to Egypt if they face war. They left in battle formation. But the, anyway, uh, you know, if they face war, if they actually had to do something with that battle formation, they were going to be in trouble. But anyway, uh, you know, he led the people around, it says, toward the Red Sea along the road of wilderness. You know, he, 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 that's the way he, he was protecting them. He was part of what he was doing is protecting them from themselves. The people will change their minds and return to Egypt. Why? Because they were finicky people. Why? Because people are finicky. So are you. Might be about different areas. We're all pretty particular about certain things, not me. Yes, you are. You know, it was something, one thing or another, you know, you're, you're particular about it. You may not as be particular about as many things as, say, me, for example. Um, but, uh, but you're particular about some stuff. God was protecting them from, the, from themselves. So as they followed God along, and it's important to remember here, they were where they were because this is where God led them. He led them to this place away from the Philistines and over by the Red Sea. They were at the place they were at because that is where God led them. Very clearly, very specifically, very intentionally led them. And then they hit a bump in the road. Pick up with me, chapter 14, verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and camp in front of Pihahiroth between Migdal and the sea. You must camp in front of Baal-Zephon, facing it by the sea. Pharaoh will say of the Israelites, they're wandering around the land in confusion. You know, like chickens with their heads cut off. 
That's just a paraphrase here. The wilderness has boxed them in. I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that, they, so that he will pursue them. I will receive glory by means of Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am Yahweh. So the Israelites did this. A good move for them. Verse 5, it says, When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their mind about the people and said, What have we done? Now we're going to have to do all the work. We've released Israel from serving us. So he got his chariot ready, took his troops uh, with him, and he took 600 of the best chariots and all the rest of the chariots in Egypt with officers in each one. Now just pause there for a second. If you had chariots back then, that was the nuclear weapon of the day. Okay, so if you had chariots, you know, you had the primo weapon. And so he took 600 of his nukes with him. Verse 8, the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and he pursued the Israelites who were going out triumphantly. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army, chased after them and caught up with them as they camped along the sea beside Pihahiroth in front of Baal Zephon, exactly to where God had led them. He caught up with them where? To the exact spot that God had led them. Verse 10. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and saw the Egyptians coming after them. And they said, Yai caramba. This, then the Israelites were terrified, cried out to the Lord for help. And they said to Moses, Is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you took us to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us by bringing, this, bringing us out of Egypt? Isn't this what we told you in Egypt? Leave us alone so that we may serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Bunch of whiners. Verse 13, but Moses said to the people, don't be afraid. Stand firm and see the Lord's salvation. He will provide for you today. For For the Egyptians you see today, You'll never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You must be quiet. Now we're going to pause there. They had a hard time being quiet. I mean, these guys always had a hard time being quiet. They complained when Moses came to them. You know, when Moses came to them to lead them out, they they, they complained about that. They complained when Pharaoh didn't respond favorably to Moses' request to let the people go. They complained that, you know, here, they continue to complain after this as they travel through the wilderness. Now, you always have a a, a choice to complain or to see the blessings you have. You always have that choice. You need to realize that. You always have a choice to complain or to to, to see the blessings that you have. And you make that choice. You, you, every time. The problem is we struggle to see the blessings when we're focused on our complaint. When you're focused on the complaint, what looms largest? The complaint. And we fail to see the blessings of God. These people were led by God to a new life. In their old life, they were slaves. They, they, they weren't respected. They were, you know, they were despised. They were abused. Moses had to leave Egypt. Why? Because he killed a man that he saw. He, he killed an Egyptian that he saw abusing the Hebrews. He saw, he saw that some of his, some of his, his people, the Hebrews, were being abused. And so he struck this Egyptian and killed him, and he had to flee Egypt. This is the life they had. 
They were forced to serve the Egyptians instead of building their own country. You know, they they didn't even have a country of their own. They weren't allowed to worship God as as they wished to. That was part of what Moses said. We want to go. We want to go into wilderness and worship God. And, And they weren't allowed to do that. God set them free from slavery. And he set them free so that they could worship him. Now, when we come into a relationship with Christ, he gives us a new life. He forgives us and sets us free from sin. Acts chapter 13 says, Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin. A justification that you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. You're set free. Romans chapter 6, But thanks be to God that you were once slaves of sin, and you have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin. You see, he set us free from that. He forgives us. He sets us free and we're given a new life. Romans chapter 6 again says, Therefore we were buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the, to the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in a new way of life. We are set free and we're given a new life. Again, a little later in Romans 6. It says, Now if we died with Christ... We believe that we will also live with him. You see, we live with him instead of living under the slavery of sin. Second Corinthians chapter 3. He made us competent to be ministers of a new covenant, new promise, new way of working. It's a new life, not of the letter, but of the spirit, for the letter kills, but the spirit produces life. You see, we are forgiven, we are set free from sin, and we are given new life. This is what God has done for us. This is, what the, this is what the Israelites got when God led them out. And Pharaoh and the Egyptians then changed their mind. They decided it wasn't... <laughs> Pharaoh and the Egyptians decided it was not a good idea that the Israelites have freedom. He thought that wasn't a good idea. You know, rather it seems they were a bit miffed that they really had no people there to do the work for them. Um, But um, it's something like we have today, not the slavery issue, but rather people look at life today by how it affects them. And we need to be careful because we can do this too. We see this all around us. You know, if your freedom, if your freedom curtails what the other person wants to do, then they feel that you need to be brought under their subjection. Your freedom is limited so that the other person is free to do what they want. And we're seeing this become more and more prevalent in our country. You know, if you want the freedom to obey God and that interferes with their freedom to live like they want to, then your freedom to obey God must be brought under control. You know, we see it from those who want total freedom to take the life of an unborn child. I cannot believe that people are fighting for the right to kill their children. I cannot believe that we find this acceptable in our society. Uh, We see it from those who want us to agree that there are more than simply male and female. Uh, You know, they they want us to agree that we're free to choose, you know, if we wish to be male or female, despite biology, despite 
uh, you know, they, they demand that we accept their ideas despite the fact and the medical evidence to the contrary. Make no mistake about it. Uh, there are those who want to bring you into bondage to their morals. They want you to agree with their morals which are contrary to the clear word of God that we should be living. Um, and you know, you're going to have to choose whether you're going to live your new life in Christ free from the bondage of sin or go back to the way of living that rejects God and rejects his truth. Uh, I pray that you will take the next step in following him, even though those who reject God will go after you to join them and will try to force you to agree to what they believe. Um, and the choice we have, sometimes we will feel like we're hemmed in. Sometimes we will feel like we're between the Red Sea and this vast army that wants to conquer us. The Israelites looked up and they saw Pharaoh and his men coming after them to take them captive once more. To bring them under captivity once again. And on the other side they saw the Red Sea. And did you notice they began to believe they had no choice. They began to believe that, that, that there wasn't any choice. So slavery in Egypt began to look pretty good to them. That slavery began to look good to them, began to look like the best choice to them. Now it says they cried out to the Lord for help, but it seems to me that was very insincere. It was kind of perfunctory because the very next verse, verse 11 says, Then they said to Moses, Is it because there's no graves in Egypt that you brought us out here to die in the wilderness? What have you done? What have you done to us? You know, bringing us out of Egypt. What have you done to us? Showing us the truth. What have you done to us? Helping us to be free. He says, isn't this what we told you in Egypt? Leave us alone so that we can serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Now we need to learn from the way Moses replied. Notice Moses' response here, verse 13. But Moses said to the people, don't be afraid. Stand firm and see the Lord's salvation he will provide for you today. For the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You must be quiet. Moses did not respond in kind. Moses didn't respond to them in, in the way that they were talking to him. He didn't even defend himself. He, he didn't respond to their accusations. He didn't respond to their personal attacks. Instead, Moses encouraged the people. He reminded them of their relationship with the Lord and called them to stay with God rather than give up and go back to their old life. Now remember here, he's talking with others who are following, who acknowledge and said they were following God. He's not talking to those who reject God. He's talking to those who, who, who acknowledged God and said they wanted to follow God. We need to encourage others. And what we need to encourage them is we need to encourage them to, you know, to follow God. And you need to be with people. You need to be with people who will encourage you to follow God. You know, it's, it's, that's important. Don't be afraid. Stand firm and see the Lord's salvation he will provide for you today. The Lord will fight for you. You know, we need to be with people who will remind us and call us to continue with God. 
we need to be with people who will encourage us in that way. We need to encourage others, and we need you know, to be with those who will encourage you to follow God. Pick up with me verse 15. I want to finish this chapter. We'll do it. 15, the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to break camp. As for you, lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. He's asking them to do something you know, they haven't done before. Verse 17, I am going to harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. I will receive glory by means of Pharaoh and his army and his chariots and horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am Yahweh when I receive glory through Pharaoh and his chariots and his horsemen. This is the same with what he said in verse 4, that you know, he's going to harden their hearts and that they'll follow him, and that he was going, they, they, the Egyptians would know that he is Yahweh. That's the same thing he said in verse 4. Verse 19 says, Then the angel of God, who was going in front of the Israelite forces, moved and went behind them. The pillar of cloud moved from in front of them and stood behind them. It came between them and the Egyptians and the Israelite forces. The cloud was there in the darkness, yet it lit up the night. So neither, could, neither group came near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove the sea back with a powerful east wind all that night and turned the sea into dry land. So the waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with waters like a wall to them on their right and on their left. The Egyptians set out in pursuit. All of Pharaoh's horses and his chariots and all of his horsemen went down into the sea after them. Then during the morning watch, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian forces from the pillar of fire and cloud and threw them into confusion. He caused their chariot wheels to swerve and made them drive with difficulty. Let us get away from Israel, the Egyptians said, because Yahweh is fighting for them against Egypt. They were beginning already to see that the, that the Egyptians were going, to, were going to recognize and see Yahweh. Verse 26, Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may come back on the Egyptians, on their chariots and horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak the sea returned to its normal depth. When the Egyptians were trying to escape from it, the Lord threw them into the sea. The waters came back and covered the chariots and the horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that had gone after them into the sea. None of them survived. But the Israelites had walked through the sea on dry ground with waters like a wall to them on their right and on their left. That day, the Lord saved Israel from the power of the Egyptians and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. When Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and believed in him and in Moses, his servant. Unfortunately, that was kind of short-lived for them. But God moved here to free his, slavery, his people from slavery in Egypt. He led them on a very particular route, avoiding the Philistines. He directed them to a very specific spot to camp. And Pharaoh and his army showed up, and now the people were cornered. The people cried out to God, but they, had, you know, they already had their booger and a bugger, and you know, they, they just couldn't. They, they, they told Moses how he ruined their lives. Sometimes. You are in a tough spot because you are right where God wants you. That tough spot sometimes is right where God wants you. 
that tough spot sometimes is not because you weren't following God, it's because you were following God. And God wasn't confused, God wasn't, wasn't bamboozled, he wasn't surprised like, whoa, look what happened to them. He knew exactly what was happening, and sometimes that is the exact spot where he wants you. And sometimes it's because you're stupid and do dumb things and they look very similar and that's why life is hard sometimes. Uh, But either way, don't forget that God is still God. Tough times might be the indication that you are right where God wants you. Moses reminded the people that God was still God and he will take care of them. You know that he's still God. God calls them to break camp to get ready to go. Uh, They didn't see where they were supposed to go. Where could we go? The Red Sea, the Egyptians. But he calls them to break camp. You know, even though they couldn't see it, they saw the army. They saw the army on one side, the Red Sea on the other side. No visible way of escape. But God called them to get started, to break camp, get started, get ready. You know, get ready to move. And it seems as they started to obey, he continued to work to protect them. It says, then the angel of God who was going in front of them moved and went behind them. That pillar of cloud moved from in front of them and stood behind them, came between the Egyptians and the Israelite forces. The cloud was there in the darkness, yet it lit up in the night. So neither group came near each other all night long. Even though you can't see the answer, even though you cannot see the answer, take the next clear step in following God. Take that next clear step. Now, he often leads through his word. You know, very often he leads through his word. We touched on that already. You know, Moses told them God would fight for them. God told them to break camp. And then God moved to protect them. But they were still cornered. You know, they're still cornered here. And God worked through the night, first in protecting them, He was protecting them with with the the pillar of cloud between them and the Egyptians. He was protecting them. And then he had that powerful east wind blow, it says. And all that night, God dried out a path for them to go through the Red Sea. God very often uses ordinary things. In this case, the wind. He very often uses ordinary things in an extraordinary way. I've seen God do this in people's lives. And so have you. One of the things that I pray for you also, I don't know if this will ever come up in the series or not, but uh, when you're going into surgery or when you're facing something, and every night one of the things we pray is that God will not only bring healing to those of you who are desperately waiting for it, but that he will guide your doctors. He will guide those people who are doing those tests and that he will guide them and that they will work above and beyond their own abilities. God very often uses ordinary things in an extraordinary way. Here he used the wind to dry the land so that people could pass through. And then he used that same land That same land that he dried out, he used that same land then to bog down the wheels of the Egyptians. That same thing. 
After his people passed safely through to the other side, God removed his protective presence from between the Israelites and the Egyptians. The Egyptians pursued, you know, they followed their own stupidity, really, and pursued Israel through the sea, but the waters came back in place and they were destroyed. The path God used to save his people became the path that God used to destroy those who wanted to harm his people. The same way. The people didn't know they were going where they were going to end up. They had no clue where they were going to end up. They simply obeyed the next clear step that God had for them. They didn't know where they were going to end up, but this step they knew, and they took that step. You know, we can get overwhelmed by what we're facing uh, and by what we see around us, what we see ahead of us, but just take the next step. Just take the next step. God isn't asking you to come up with the conclusion. God is asking you to take the next step. In my prayers for you, I ask God to give you the strength to take your next step in following him. We don't need to know the whole plan. You simply need to know that next step. You simply need to take that next step. The problem might still loom large. Take the next step. You may be discouraged. Take the next step. You may feel defeated. Take the next step. You may feel that you messed up. Take the next step in following God. In my prayers for you, I ask God to give you the strength to take your next step in following him. Let's pray. Father, this is not always easy. And some here are facing what they see as overwhelming odds and obstacles. And we can say none of them are bigger than you and, and still stand still. But I pray that you would help us all to take that next step in our walk with you. Whether we're overwhelmed or not, Father, we don't want to get distracted by, by good things either that frees us in motion. We want to take that next step in following you. We want to walk after you. We want to walk with you in the way you want us to go. Don't let us substitute our ideas and thoughts of where the end is and where that conclusion might bring us. Help us to follow you as you open up ways and you open up doors that we never expected to lead us in ways and in places that we never even dreamed of. But help us to do it, Father, for your glory and for your honor that others may know that you live, that you're real, 
that you exist and that you care. Help us to be your people. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.